0: Welcome to episode two of the Can We Just Ask podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Annie. And as this series is in partnership with Tom's, we're really excited to be joined by the Senior Director of Marketing and Giving at Tom's, Lisa Hogg.
1: Lisa will be joining us for a conversation all about social entrepreneurship and businesses looking to make change. We're going to be covering loads of different topics and questions all around what businesses can do, but also what we as individuals can do on a micro level, such as managing challenges, anxieties and opportunities to make the world a better place. And of course, if you stick with us to the end of the conversation, you'll hear Lisa's brilliant answer to the question, how can we all save the world?
0: Yeah, and it's a real mic drop moment. So you do, you do want to stick around for that. Uh, if you really, really, really love this episode, or if you just love this episode, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be really pleased to know that Lisa is also with us, along with three other panellists, for episode three, which you can listen to now, actually, straight after this episode. Obviously, don't listen to it right now. Listen to this episode first. And if you are enjoying the series, we'd really love to involve more and more people in the conversation. So please do subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on whatever app or software you're listening to this on, it really does make a difference for the podcast and the future of the podcast. So please do subscribe and Show leave us a rating. Love. Show us some love. Yeah. Uh, you can also, if you want to make any points or have, start any conversations based on what's discussed in this episode, you can chat to us on social media. We are at Can We Just Ask on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the usual. Annie and I will be responsive to everyone who's commenting. We, we want to really foster a community. So please do get in touch with us and let us know what you think of the episode. But for now, let's get straight into the conversation with Lisa and the question, how can we all save the world? The only way you create change is by standing up and campaigning for those things you care for. If we
2: hold ourselves individually to hire a
1: cat, the world will be a better place.
0: For me, communication is, is the key to absolutely everything. How can we all save the or world? What it
1: means to be a man or indeed a human. There's
0: no such thing as a stupid question.
1: But can we just ask for class start conversations that matter? Lisa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good.
2: Good. Thank you.
0: Why don't you introduce yourself and your role at Tom's so we can have some context
2: for the conversation? Well, from a personal point of view, I'm South African, born and raised, um, but been living in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, for almost 21 years kind of single co-parent of two teenage kids, um, got a daughter and a son, which kind of gives me a very interesting filter in kind of how I live life and how I do business. And then I've been with Tom's for almost three years. I've got a lot of experience in advertising and and footwear, but was really excited to work for Tom's to actually, I was always keen to work for Tom's probably for like four years, even before I got the role, um, because I wanted to do something that just took what I'm good at professionally, but then gave the the lens of of purpose um which and why,
0: is why was that was tom's the one that you saw as the company that did that
2: i mean when i started thinking about it it was actually in 2006 when i was working at nike which is ironic because it's the year that tom's actually started because i got visibility to marketing budgets it was the first time i'd worked on brand side i'd been in ad agencies before and I thought, can you imagine if you just took 10% of a marketing budget and actually put it to something meaningful? So I I didn't see it from the business the way Tom's started doing it and still does it, but I saw it from a, a different angle. And um, that kind of was in the back of my mind. And when I started looking with my experience in advertising and footwear, Tom's kind of just seemed to match the most. And I think at that point was the only brand that was doing that proper one-for-one model it is the original one-for-one model company so
0: yeah and a lot of companies based what they did then from because of what toms did there's a lot of one-for-one companies sprung up after toms happened really which i kind of see as maybe a bit of a double edged sword because then there's obviously more competition for toms Mm -hmm. but also there's more people in the world doing good so then how do you how do you like find the balance between wanting to compete in business but also being happy that everyone is doing like good for the world
2: well, I think I had a really interesting insights when we worked with um, Ashoka, um, and we did a Change Maker Exchange, which was focused on social impact entrepreneurs in Europe. And we spoke about the fact that you start as a social impact entrepreneurship to create change. What you ultimately want to get to is that you get to open source, so that you actually get to encourage people around you to start doing the same thing, because ultimately you, you're striving towards some level of systemic change and it's a huge thing to get to. So the more people involved, um, you can kind of contribute to it. So you do ultimately want to be open source and then you actually ultimately want to become redundant because you you want the issue that you're striving to solve to go away. So it has been challenging for us because obviously it was a really strong USP in the beginning. Um, so the storytelling capabilities were like really strong And it was just unique and there was a natural differentiator. So now we're in a very different place. But then that's also led to us evolving our giving model in order to kind of retain relevance and and still still be a leader in that business for good space.
1: And I think that's something that I found really interesting in watching the evolution of Tom's. Mm -hmm. Because I know that Blake, the founder of Tom's, who had wrote... A few years ago about how the greatest challenge to um, the business is almost its own growth because when the business is built with purpose, Mm -hmm. can you see this exponential growth and still let purpose take precedence over uh, processes Mm -hmm. and and profits? Mm -hmm. How difficult has it been to keep purpose at the forefront? Well, the way the
2: business model is actually structured, and I think that's where we're still quite unique in the space from Mm. a um, business for good or purpose-led company, is because of how it's structured into the financial structure of our company. So that's the difference. So it's actually – it's not – a number of, if we hit a certain percentage of profit, we will then give this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a commitment. It has impact on how much money we have for marketing. A lot of people actually think um, we make the consumers pay more for the product so that we can fund it. That's not the case either. Um, No, I mean, if you actually look like for like... Um I've got enough footwear experience to know if you look like for like of course there's cheaper products, but then we know why it's cheaper. Yeah. Um so we've got to make the right decisions on, on how we produce our shoes and um how much we ask our consumers to pay for it. But where we where we fund the give is the fact that it's written into our business model, like our business plan. So that's one thing that protects it. Um mm. and that's why we exist. Mm. We ex our mission is using business to improve lives. So if we're not doing that, the business facilitates the impact. It's not that the impact facilitates the business. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the commitment. And I think it also it relies on having really impassioned people within the company that will also not let that slide. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think um, that, that can happen over time. Um, but for us, the more shoes we sell,
1: the more impact we can make. And so you have that built-in accountability. And if, if the people behind it are uh, holding each other... Accountable for that, then, then yeah.
2: I mean, I think as far as I view it from within, you know, the Tom's business, it's a non-negotiable. Mm. So I think that's how you protect it is that it's just it's written into the structure. It's not you you don't touch that part of the business.
0: Mm.
1: And obviously, from a from a marketing perspective, you know, we see lots of businesses now who are trying to add mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. element and find a story. Is there, is there a risk that that kind of that muddies the water or that it overcrowds the space, that there's this, this all For of sure. these people trying to tell these stories?
2: I mean, the, the interesting thing that I very quickly came to terms with when I joined Tom's was if you don't want to be criticised, say nothing, be nothing and do nothing. Because um, it's really interesting. As soon as you want to do something good, the level of criticism is... Pretty overwhelming. Mm. I mean, there be there were moments early on in my, my job at Tom's where I was like, "Wow, like people just really don't believe in goodness anymore." Really? Um, yeah, it's really interesting to see that much much rather want to call bullshit on us <laughs> than actually call bullshit on someone who's doing nothing.
0: I'm, I'm interested to how, how from within Tom's how do you see that. Criticism? Does it does it come through? Is it press? Is it media? Is it people writing to Tom saying we disagree with this?
2: Um, I'd say it has been media in the past, not mm. so much lately. But I mean, we've had articles written about us years and years ago that will mm. resurface on occasion, and the joy of the um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and from like a very you know um, a very strong news source. So people just read it and believe it's true. So and we've we've tried to. I mean, I think we've also had a learning on this evolution is we've also realized we've not always been as transparent as possibly we should have been and not because we didn't want to. Mm. But I think when you so confident about what you're doing, you sometimes think, well, of course we're doing that. You don't really see the necessity of, of sharing that sort of information, but the biggest to answer your question, well the the biggest proponents is from a consumer um, point of view. Um, And then, To go back to your original question, it is a very crowded space now. Purpose has become somewhat of a bingo word Mm -hmm. um, is how I frame it. And you have varying degrees of cause marketing, purpose marketing, issue advocacy. And I don't mind if the the space is crowded. I do mind that if companies present that they are supportive of an issue area or a topic, but then they're actually not doing anything to contribute yeah. to true change in that space. There are amazing nonprofits out there that are doing amazing work and struggle with funding. Mm. So if you really want to have a point of view, and I've, I've been very outspoken on, on certain very big campaigns that have got a lot of credit, but there's just not backed up mm. with kind of support. So I think it's a very crowded space, but over time I'm hoping... Because the consumer is very savvy that at some point they're going to be able to start filtering out what is, what is more superficial and, and what's more meaningful. Um, but then we, we do have to kind of open the lines of communication to give more visibility to what we, we're doing. And I think we've, we've made some some good steps there. But it's to be truly authentic in this space, you have to be contributing to real change. You can't – raising social consciousness on a topic before – was enough. It's not enough anymore.
0: No, it feels now that most businesses think, if you're starting a business, having that social good element is crucial to thriving because mm-hmm. the younger generations care so much more about what they're consuming and, and whether it's having a, a, an impact. And like you said, when we were having a conversation yesterday. Uh, if you create a, if you create competition in the world of good, then the people with the money and the big voices and the platforms. Mm-hmm. Will win out because, in terms of social media, they can have a bigger campaign mm-hmm. about it. But you mm-hmm. actually don't know whether that's grounded in actual change making, actual good, and it's really hard to, to work that out. Really, for for a, for a consumer, sometimes, especially if there's a com- there's an organisation that already exists and they suddenly release this campaign, that's like we support this.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's the thing as a as a consumer, right? We have to we have to take some responsibilities for the way that we consume things and to do the research and yeah, to do. I think so. um, but it can it can be overwhelming Um, and it's if you can find that information um, as well well that's where the transparency you're talking about comes in as well you know it's so crucial for giving people the the resources to to find the information that they that they're looking for
2: yeah and I think the the other side of the coin is that there are a lot more consumers now that really do care passionately about a lot of areas there are still huge amounts of consumers who are only interested at quite a superficial mm. level. So the other companies that do kind of just dip their toe in can still really succeed. And I completely agree with you. If we could get some of the really the much bigger corporations, I mean, there are companies that have been doing a lot of work in this space. Different structure to Tom's. I mean, Unilever have obviously been doing mm. stuff for a long time. I mean, our friends at Patagonia, obviously, um, mm. even when I talked to them, it was actually an interesting journey for them as well because it's not how they originally originally started it was also an evolution for them as well and when i have conversations with big corporations as well they're like well it's easy for you guys to talk that's how you began but i think some companies have actually been good at finding what what works for them because what you're saying how does a consumer figure it out it's if something's innate to a brand and their personality and it fits in with what they their usp basically then it's easier to kind of decipher yeah But I think it's also on a personal level, and what you were saying with a consumer's responsibility, it's also good on a personal level to figure out what you really care about. Mm. And then by association, you surround yourself with brands um, or you purchase from brands that reflect your values. And that's where I've seen, like our consumer research, that's where you do see the the. I don't know what to call it, it's lightning in a bottle, is when consumers do connect with mm. brands that really reflect their values. And not you're
1: not going to be for everybody all the time, and that's also okay. Well, and that's actually um, a really interesting point because one of the things that I – have observed is that a lot of people feel quite crippled in knowing how to help. They sort of mm. aspire for change and they ha- they are passionate about something but don't necessarily feel like they want to start something or don't mm. know how. And actually, in our consumption, we have the option to put our money where our morals are, you know. Yeah. And and there is that option for, for consumers that you don't have to start something in order to make change. You can make change just in the decisions that you're making day to day.
0: Well, I'm, we, were, we were saying this actually also, because like you said, you you got into Tom's because you knew you wanted to give back and you knew you wanted to do good. And, and whether that's through the sort of frame of being a mum because yeah. you want to help future generations. I think not everyone can be Blake. No. not everyone can like start the thing because if everyone is starting the things there's there's going to be there's competition there's not going to be the the people working together to create synergy that actually creates change mm. and i think it's it's like you were saying tom's is now a collection of people who actually want to make a difference mm. and when you combine those people together with different skills and and different talents that's when you actually can create change yeah if you just movement. look
2: at a dynamic of a a community so communities when they come together that can create great change but you always have someone who will naturally step more into a leadership position then you have kind of the people that are the the doers and you have the thinkers and you i mean if for anyone who's listening who's you know worked for a company and you always have your personality kind of tests you they always bucket um you know all of us into different things whether it's kind of you are a leader or a thinker or you're more analytical so yeah no not everybody can be a Blake not everybody wants to be yeah. a Blake and mm-hmm. i think what would be great for people to understand and that's why even when we talk about words that we we use as a brand i sometimes kind of step away from using the word activist because a lot of people don't actually identify with themselves as activists because activists, you know, even though I think everybody can be an activist Mm -hmm. depending on their personal level, it almost feels like it's not inclusive because someone's like, I'm not an activist. Mm -hmm. You know what? If you recycle as much as possible at home and you cut down, you are an activist, but you are at a level that works for you. And if we all actually behaved like that, even at the bare minimum, we would make unbelievable change. Mm -hmm. I think people don't it's not only now that we can make choices as consumers. Boycotts have happened for decades and decades when a brand's made a wrong decision yeah. or when Earth, Earth Day originally started and it helped change legislation in the US yeah. around kind of climate matters. It's, you know, you'd wish that that kind of, kind of would continue to do, happen now. <laughs> but I think we've always had the license to create that impact as consumers and as as people. But mm. I agree with you, It's it's a a sum of parts it's not singular heroic individuals it's how we all kind of come together to create it
1: and i guess that's you know one of the um projects that you guys are working on at the moment yeah. with your change makers mm-hmm. is sort of championing pe- those people that have stepped into the leadership roles and it's been incredibly inspiring getting to to know and hear about some of the projects that tom's is supporting outside of his own business mm-hmm. i guess the I mean I'm guessing that the idea behind that is that there are there are so much more to support than, than what's at the heart of Tom's. And 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 now that Tom's has been so successful mm-hmm. that there's the opportunity to to share that by amplifying and supporting these these people in their communities.
2: Yeah, so where it started was that we just realized almost from like a consumer anxiety point of view, people were becoming much more uh, connected with what was happening at home, what was happening in your own backyard. So even though they could see the good in the one-for-one one and you're giving, you buy a shoe in London and you give a shoe to a kid in Peru, that emotional connection just wasn't there as much as it was before. And also not being able to necessarily understand that the shoe can either contribute to the mental health of a child or the education of a child or the, just the general well-being, etc. cetera. Um, that wasn't connecting as powerfully as it did before just because the world is a significantly different place 13 Mm. years down the line yeah so i think if you look at any brand or even personality whatever the way that you survive over time is you redefine yourself so even though we would continue to always support shoes, sites and water we realized there was a need for us to also look locally so I'm in charge of the EMEA region, which is Europe, Middle East and Africa, for some people who don't know. So what matters to people like consumers in the UK or Germany or France and even how you approach social impacts in those different cultures has a a different lens. So we Mm -hmm. wanted to still kind of have a global approach, but then be able to connect better locally. So then we also did Consumer Insights to look at what are... If we look at what a better tomorrow means, what does that mean to someone in the UK? What what needs to be true for that to happen? And that's when issues like mental health, gender equity, and, and different topics came up because we're creating impact with our consumers' money. So we want to make sure that we're spending it in the areas that they, they care about. And then that's how we... Got to the point of then looking into our markets and finding those people who are already active in that space. Because what we also thought would be more powerful is for people who are in it to tell the story of why that issue area should be something that people should care about. And it's not something we're not making the decision for them. We had to in the beginning. It, it made sense. Um, that's You have to do that when you're starting a business. Mm-hmm. But now we're just trying to reflect the issues that actually matter most. And that's why in the last few campaigns, we've obviously done a lot of homelessness stuff in the UK because of the levels of youth homelessness that exist. And then just looking into other mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So that's how we've really landed there. But we also found having these change makers that we call them, that they will help us more powerfully tell the story. And We'll just feel what the work that they're already doing. And then obviously the most important part is finding the nonprofits that are creating change in that space.
0: Yeah, because that, that that always interests me. We've touched on it before. Is, is there's, a, there's a lot of people who want to help and they want to make a change. And it's mm-hmm. difficult to know. I could name like 10, 15 things that I want to help in at mm-hmm. different areas, different people. And it's hard to know. What the best way to give back is, mm-hmm. or what, uh, how to find that mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when you, when you go to giving shoes, I guess it, it takes a real local knowledge Completely. to fully understand that.
2: Yeah, at a conference not so long ago, I was asked, you know, is there a future for nonprofits? I'm like, if you ask that question, you don't know what nonprofit nonprofits are all about. We are in. 100% reliance on our nonprofits to create the impact that we want to mm. because they know the nuances of the issue. They know how to kind of create change. They know the change that needs to happen. Um, one thing that I realized very quickly when I started talking to more nonprofits in kind of more depth what you sometimes think is helpful is entirely not helpful. Mm. So rather go to the people that huh. know what what what's required. Um, so with our shoes and our sites and our water gives, we've always worked with give, what we call giving partners. Um, we don't refer to them as nonprofits internally, but uh, as giving partners. And we give them the funding. And the way we do it now is we work with nonpro- on these impact grants, which is the ones outside of shoes, sites and water, we give them funding to specific projects that fund kind of specific change and then we'll kind of get impact reports from them. But without those partners, we, we wouldn't be able to create the impact that's re- required. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about with other companies who talk about purpose but are not funding organizations like this. Right. That's because That's where the real change happens because right. it takes a long time and it takes a very specific expertise and knowledge. We definitely, we are not under any illusion that we can do that. And so
1: collaboration and, and, as you said before, community really are at the heart of that kind of bridge between, um, like, a- aspiration and intention to help and yeah. and actually making an impact.
2: Well, yeah, and I think sometimes, I mean, what pops into my head when you say that is also kind of the, you know, taking ego out of it. Because you can't truly collaborate if you want to kind of come in and be heroic you really need to come in. we always use the refer to the mead quote of a small group of concerned citizens can change the world because after all it's the only thing that ever has. Mm. so if you work on the collaboration and that sort of aspect, then that's that's when there's an African proverb that I love um, where it says, "If you want to go fast, go alone, if you want to mm. go far, go together yeah and that's kind of exactly what we need when it comes to kind of creating change in in these impact areas.
0: I think I think to take the ego out of business is quite can be quite hard mm-hmm. because businesses are and some businesses do it great but I think like what you're saying there's some businesses who are now trying to move over to the social good element but they they are founded on Their bottom line is to make a profit Mm -hmm. and they're founded on the ego of we need to succeed and to do that, we need to beat that business and we need to do better than that business. So I think that's where it gets hard is weighing up. I I listened to a podcast, I can't remember what what it was called, but they said um, with any social enterprise, Mm -hmm. you have to live in the tension between impact and profit. So that, mm-hmm. so, so, it's, all, it's, it's never going to be – what. it's not one or the other. It's you have to be able to manage the fact that you want to have an impact and you want to make a profit.
2: I would agree with that, though. I think Tom's is in that same space. Mm. If we're not successful as a business, we mm. not. We can't only deliver the impact. We have to deliver the profit because mm. we have That's to – That's where the
1: impact comes
2: from. We're still – what I often draw attention to is we are still a for-profit business. Yeah. And I think for a while it was almost like it was – Dirty to be a for-profit business that was doing that had purpose at its core, but in all seriousness, if we don't do good business, we don't do good impact. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference between being a nonprofit and then or, or a normal corporation. We still have to run as a well-oiled machine from a business point of view, and that was an interesting experience for me because I came in from other really big footwear companies which was great kind of experience from that point of view. But then to kind of look at how we, we navigate this business model. But it's been super interesting, mm. like super insightful. Mm. Um, but I think yeah, it is a challenge, but I, I think it's, it's one we, we can work through and, and one we have been working through for 13 years now. Yeah.
1: Do you think there are any kind of, on the flip side, any limitations of the dual purpose? Because as Will was saying before, a lot of businesses mm. are for profit traditionally. And actually, there was a re- report earlier this week or last week that came out, which is... Um, uh, the, uh, the Business Roundtable. <laughs> uh,
0: it's a, a lobby group in America and 180 of the biggest businesses in America, including Amazon and Apple, have all agreed to change Den- yeah, so the definition is, of purpose is, is, is no so. longer just for profits. Mm-hmm. It's also to include their stakeholders to improve the ethics and the experience for their customers, their supply chain, mm-hmm. um, as well as profits. And that literally happened last week, which I think I mean. There's lots of Democrats in America who are campaigning for that stuff, um, and so I think that is actually a massive shift. Mm. And especially in somewhere like America, yeah. where the, the waste that America and China produce just mm-hmm. sort of out. Everything in the world. Mm. So I think that actually shows a real shift in the way people are viewing social enterprises and just businesses in general, I think.
2: I think the limitation just comes in if you, how much of your revenue is committed to the profits. But I think the limitations that I immediately think of is it's more in relation to the general um, environment out there, in the fact that consumers are consuming differently the frequency of consumption is, is going down in the places where people really care about. So um, you have slow fashion where people are challenging each other and not buying anything new for the next six months. So you have to work that much harder as a brand that when someone does actually buy something, they buy you. So it's even that premeditated purchase is even more kind of intense than it used to be. I think what you're talking about with the round table, I think it's going to become a hygiene factor. I mean, there's not a lot of good news out there. If we don't all start Mm -hmm. really contributing in every single facet and not kind of letting governments off the hook and say, well, corporations can take care of it, everybody has to contribute. So Mm -hmm. I think the limitations are actually, for me, more at a macro level in a way. Um, And I don't know if I'd even use the word limitations. I think it's just called the the realities because – I think growth's going to look different. Having worked in businesses where double-digit growth is just kind of constantly like you have to hit it, you have to hit it. I think how businesses grow and what we should be happy with is going to look different over time. I mean it's a very – I know I'm here on behalf of Times, It's a very personal mm-hmm. point of view. But I, I really feel quite passionate about mm. it and that I think the limits are the fact that, that growth just not going to look the same mm-hmm. as, as it used to. And I would also hazard saying nor should it.
1: Well, and and reframing our view of what success is to Conclude. include purpose and impact.
0: But that's, I mean, that's what's exciting. You can almost turn, for the use of what you said, the limitations into uh, something positive. Which, to Patagonia, you mentioned um, a while ago. They, I think it was 2011, they released that campaign that was "Don't buy this jacket." Yeah, and that, like that, is accepting everything that you've just said. Is that um, the way people are consuming? Is going to change. Mm. It is changing. Mm. We, as a brand, who are focused on um, actually making a difference, are going to stand up and do something about it. And then, and you can turn it into a story again that actually means that we're going to help the, the this problem. We're going to help the planet. We're going to help people in society. And I think it's actually quite exciting when brands like Tom's and Patagonia see that and embrace it and think, "Well, this is we're going to stand up and make a change." Yeah, and
2: we're still doing well, but it's basically. It's it's kind of not always having that really moon like actually one way of putting it is moonshots now are more about they used to be potentially around where you'd want to end from a financial point of view as so a corporate. A moonshot, like it's your your big goal. Right, got it. Like Aiming you're for the Moon. Aiming for the moon, yeah, basically. Yeah. Got yeah. It. yeah, a lot of people are kind of using the term, like, moonshot. And I, I quite like it because it's kind of – it's what's your, what's your biggest aspiration? And right. um, so Patagonia's shift in their mission statement is viewed by some as a moonshot Got it. in business to protect our home planets, which mm. was, like, a huge, you know – A thing to change I know working in companies to change your mission statement that's a big one but I completely kind of um, I think I'm very impressed by them kind of Mm. just being that bold on that so moonshots I think before used to be about really big revenue I think moonshots should be now like yeah you're going to do good business probably you know still achieve profits but then what what is the bigger impact of your company Mm. Mm.
0: I love that moonshot. Really yeah, nice. What's great. what's I mean, your personal moonshot?
2: <laughs> to raise two well-adjusted, considered, kind humans. I think that's
1: probably my moonshot. That's <laughs> useful. I don't think you could get
0: a better moonshot than yeah. that.
1: That's great. Yeah, Trump. There's no point in us saying anything. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we rewind a little bit, and this is a very Tom's focused for example and question. Mm -hmm. But when, my understanding is that when Tom started before the first shoe drop, there were orders for the shoes Mm -hmm. that surpassed the (laughs) stock so significantly that actually there was this initial almost removal of risk with the first production run mm-hmm. of of tom's shoes um so before they went to the shoe drop there had always been already been something i think i've got 2200 pairs of shoes that had been ordered before they'd even been put up for sale mm-hmm. but without that i think it can be quite crippling for mm-hmm. an individual to think about how to put their ideas and aspiration into action mm-hmm. And obviously, you've worked with lots of change makers and championed mm. lots of um, different different business models. And I wondered whether you had any nuggets of insight and, and, and motivations to encourage people who don't necessarily, who are crippled by the idea of like, they don't don't have the cash. Yeah. So, I don't know,
2: like for sure, how much cash. Bl- Blake actually had in the beginning. I mean, he was carrying shoes in a duffel bag mm. on a plane. They yeah. they kind of warehouses in an apartment in Venice Beach, and so I think the it's always good to be realistic. But it's it's certainly not a pretty picture in the beginning. One thing that is become very clear to me, and and through work that I've done with other nonprofits, is. The level of anxiety on social impact entrepreneurs, so people who really got a good idea and change, is incredibly high. Mm. So I think the most important thing is to surround yourself by people who believe in your idea um, as a start. Because the money stuff and all these other things, super important. But if you actually lose your passion and your kind of bravery to step into that space – you can't achieve the other things. Then it becomes crippling because, um, and I've I mentioned Ashoka before, just I love working with them and they work with a lot of um, young entrepreneurs. And you, so you have a great idea. You basically, you probably more than likely going an unorthodox route. Your family thinks you're nuts, <laughs> begs you to get like a normal job. Um, why are you doing this weird thing? And so you, you've got a lot of that kind of dispelling mm. your truth. Well, that's the nature happening.
0: of entrepreneurship, isn't it? You're doing something that hasn't been done before.
2: And I mean, it's great. Like, yeah. I, mean, I have a quote mm. in my office that I love, which is, growth and comfort um, never coexist. Mm. But finding people, because there are more people doing similar things, maybe not essentially your exact idea, but we we brought um, 20 social impact entrepreneurs and young, between 18 and 30 together together. And the collective feelings and the how they connected, even though, you know, we had someone who was doing purposeful engineering and then we had another woman who was kind of creating um, support for kind of undocumented nannies in, in France. So like completely different stories, but then the commonalities behind the struggles that they faced. So I think really finding, we spoke about community before. Mm. I mean, this sounds like quite an emotional answer, But it's critical because if you don't have the right people around you, and then I think also don't be afraid to ask. Mm
0: -hmm. Look
2: at what your core um, either capability or what the core is of your idea and then think about who's out there. Because what we've been talking about is big corporations are all looking for a way to be more meaningful. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Why would your idea not be able to deliver that for someone who's in a, a similar space? And so kind of if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. So I think have more confidence in your idea because the worst thing anyone can say is no. Um, Mm. But I think really looking into kind of communities and, I mean, it's also difficult to just obviously create that connection. But I think that's burnout is such a big problem with people doing what you've described. But I think also finding mentors. um, Mm. What I've also heard is Social impact entrepreneurs actually finding mentors that work in big business because mm. then you can actually also get a more pragmatic point of view on how to move forward, mm. and you don't feel as isolated. So, well,
0: well, this is what this is one of the things Bill Drayton, who started Ashoka, so says: the difference between there's people who have ideas, but then you need people who can implement the ideas, and it doesn't have to be the same person. Like you don't you don't, you can have this idea and, and see it working, but it's that synergy that actually will create something that happens and yeah. you, you might not be a absolute business phenomenon yeah but you might have an you might be like well i can see how this is going to work i just can't implement it and it's yeah. it's that but it is that courage and it's it's it is hard to ask sometimes when you when you you know you're, you're a bit unsure whether it's you're asking the right person or mm. you're a bit unsure about everything i mean you second-guess yourself all the time with, with small decisions. So to ask someone about something that means so much to you, I can see as being a really hard thing to do because you're putting yourself on the line.
2: But there's no such thing as a stupid question. Exactly. That's, that's our
0: motto. That. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: We'll Click that up. We didn't brief on you the, on the, the uh, that before. <laughs> um,
2: on the financial part, I mean, that's that's the difficult one. I mean, getting funding, um, but also equally with the proliferation of, of business with purpose, there are a lot more accelerator programs yeah. out there um, than before. Well, but I definitely, it... for anyone listening, definitely check out um, the Changemaker Exchange with mm. Ashoka mm. Um, because they do programs all the time all over the world and I've often very focused on a specific subject. So we did business with purpose with them. We're going to be doing another program next year with them as well. But I think there are a lot more accelerator programs out there than there were even five years ago. Yeah. But
1: I think the... Um, you know, the financial side is, a, side is an easy thing to pick out because it's, you know, it's what we're. we're you still um, gonna pay the bills. To, yeah, but it's, um, you know, it's an easy, annoying, it's an easy it? thing to pay.
2: Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> you just um, pay bills.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but one of the things that um, I wrote down uh, a few weeks ago um, was about community mm-hmm. and how everybody does. Belong to a community, and and it doesn't always feel like that. You know, you might be in a new city or doing mm-hmm. something totally new. But um, if you're able to sort of identify your community or a community around the the purpose that you're mm-hmm. believing in, and, and and identify them, and 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 find your affinity group. Mm-hmm. And also, with on the flip side, if you notice people around you that have, you know, that have these ideas that are working from yeah. sort of grassroots or sort of bottom up changes, creating a, a community or the uh, relationships around you where there is no stupid questions mm-hmm. and where you can just really support each other in making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and, and growing from your own and other, other people's challenges as as well yeah. as successes you know we, we're talking about whether or not we can really save the world and going back to the proverb that you mentioned earlier on your own you may go fast but yeah. if you if perhaps really the missing part of the puzzle or the or the bit that we can just sort of really excel from is is coming together in community and and going much further that way
2: yeah I think Tom's to be honest from the get-go Community has always been very much at the the heart. I mean, our retail stores were not re- called retail stores; they are called community outposts. Um, mm-hmm. So it's always been focused on community. Even the one for one model, if you think from the outset, that it's about the community helping another community. So I think it's really important. And once you find people where you have a common ground on what the area that you're feeling insecure about very quickly that that even assumption that you can ask a stupid question goes away because as soon as you look into someone else's eyes and realize they totally identify with what you're talking about it just opens up i mean i've even done it from like a personal point of Mm. view not even only through business and you just you find kind of that connection um it's human and camaraderie in Mm. it and yeah it's human connection i mean we hardwired to connect Mm. so that's why thinking about if you going to try and do this game-changing thing but then you isolate yourself like it's just not going to happen because that obviously the anxiety and that is is too overwhelming yeah yeah so i mean that's why loneliness is an epidemic in the world right Mm -hmm. now because you know isolation is not not what humans need at all community is is what we need
0: And, and social media plays a massive part in making us feel isolated, I think. but uh, It's
2: a false sense of connection. <laughs> yeah,
0: it really is yeah. a false sense of connection. Actually, it's quite interesting in terms of the marketing of a, a social business, or a social first business. I guess it's changed massively since Tom yeah. started in 2006. <laughs> yeah. Now that we can literally connect with someone across the world mm-hmm. in an instant. Has that made it easier or harder to, to spread the message of Tom's? I, I assume easier, but I'm sure there's some pitfalls in there.
2: From a connectivity point of view and getting your message across, um, obviously it's easier to spread the message because also our marketing budgets are very small Mm. in comparison to our competitors. So we don't have big media campaign budgets. I mean, we did our first paid media campaign um, last year in fall and we were 12 years old. Wow. You know, so it's kind of, and and even comparably, it's, you know, I, I have had visibility to what other brands spend. It's lunch money for them. Um, (laughs) So from that point of view, social media has massively helped us because we've been able to organically reach more Mm. people. So that's great. On the flip side, the world is a very different place. So you've got to be very careful on how you creatively articulate your impact um, in order to make it feel appropriate, not gratuitous, and not exploitative to the people you're trying to help. Right. So that's probably one of the biggest shifts from a marketing point of view, so not necessarily the channels in which you reach your consumers, but it's actually the, the content of your creative and the the storytelling um, that you we actually want to... I think it's actually how we do behave from an impact point of view in the fact that we're a connector. We create a bridge from the consumer to the the, the giving partners, so from the, the benefactor to the beneficiary. And... Um, that we just create that connection. So I think even in our marketing, we want to really put our voice further back. Um, when I think you guys know Ella Grace Denson, when we did mm-hmm. a project with her at the beginning of last year, it was the way we termed it was fueled with love by Tom's. Mm. So it's kind of from that that point of view, that's how we've kind of seen it. We, we right. want to be a supporter. We don't want to be front and center okay. um, because you have to, the consumer will come at you hard as well. And I, I don't disagree. You don't need to have this kind of saviorship feel. And I think in the early days, it was okay. Um, I even think and I, I talk to a lot of nonprofits about this um even profits have to relook at how they market themselves mm. um because marketing from a place of potential almost making consumers feel guilty it's it's not. That's never gotten anymore, anymore? <laughs> yeah. no but it, it used to work yeah it used to work but i mean we also mm. cigarettes also used to be a gift at christmas so i'm um, <laughs> sort of uh, you know the world is a very different place
1: <laughs> yeah i remember so vividly my first personal interaction with tom's yeah. is that my my mum bought my i think she bought herself a pair mm-hmm. um and explained the story of them and it was that we were in late teens at the time, mm. I imagine, and it was not a time in our lives we were, where we would have consciously bought the same shoes as our mom. Yeah, um, but of we now, were. I'm an 80 we, now we you would. I think <laughs> <is>. <laughs> um, but we, but the the story and the message when she shared it with us was so so strong that we we. Sent us straight back to go and get Could some more cool. we thought it was such a such an it amazing made story yeah shoes cool yeah That's
0: the power of the story. no
1: they are they're cooler than mum my mum's got good taste in shoes um but she but she also has has good values and mm. and but it was it was the story that that hooked us in yeah um and this is you know much this is in the early earlier days mm. of of Tom's but till you know the, this whole this whole time mm. maintaining consumers who then get the brand get mm. the messaging mm-hmm. um but as we were saying saying earlier everything is so fast mm-hmm. is there a challenge in keeping people there or is the is the giving model so strong that people once once you're in you're in
2: i think at least from from the way i look at it i feel like once you're in you're in mm. it doesn't necessarily influence how frequently you buy though And we're also very much more a spring-summer brand than a fall-winter brand. So we would love, as a footwear business, we would love to get to the point where we're selling as many boots. A lot of people don't even know we do boots. Mm. A lot of people just think we do the the Alpagata, which is Mm. the the espadrille. So I think um, it doesn't necessarily influence the, the frequency. But it's when we do explain that. I mean, Tom's is the only brand that I've worked for. And I think I've worked for like five other footwear brands, like predominantly sneaker brands. And um, Tom's is the only company I know where people will say to me, oh, I remember where I got my first pair of Tom's. Mm. Mm. It's the only company I've worked for. They completely remember hearing the story and the story made them – buy a pay. And um, we do also know that there's a large percentage of our consumers that actually don't know we give, which is weird and really? makes me feel bad about my, bad at my job. So, <laughs> but also um, that, yeah, does one job. that
1: does that <laughs> literally <laughs> one freaking job. But that is the the flip side of that yeah. is that it means that the the products also stand for themselves because people yeah. are buying them without the story and not just for yeah. the story. But the I fact think... that it covers both sides is is a yeah. success.
2: And we always are challenging ourselves because we didn't our Genesis wasn't as a footwear brand. Our Genesis was as a, an impact brand. Mm. Mm. Footwear just happened to be the vehicle. So over the years, we've been trying to improve and, and become a stronger footwear company um, to back up kind of the the muscle we have from an impact point <sighs> of view. You
0: fill the shoes, you've got the, the mission at the front and you just sort of have equipment, you need to make some shoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: That was kind of at the beginning, but the, I think we, we've hopefully come a, a long way from there. But I think, no, people, yeah, sure. I don't feel like we're a Marmite brand. I think if people love, they if they know the story, mm. um, but it is again on the the business side of things. But if we don't make the product relevant, then people aren't going to only buy that product because of the story. Yeah. So the product still does need to be relevant. I so. guess they
1: would might as a one off, but then in terms of long term long term relationship, yeah. then it, then it has to and evolve. Yeah, but I think no, the story is powerful, mm. and, and people do.
2: Do really kind of emotionally connect mm. with it?
0: How do you how do you weigh that up in in terms of marketing? Do you have two different ta- types of marketing? One that's like this is the shoe. This is how the cool the shoe is. This, yeah. this is how functional the shoe is. And another type of marketing that is this is the sort of giving element. Impact, or are they? Yeah. Is it sort of combined?
2: Well, this year previously it was very separate. So I'd say up until the end of two thousand eighteen, especially from uh, the region that that I manage it was very much what we'd call product marketing. So really just focused on the products, kind of what we call like lifestyle product marketing imagery. Um, So like normal stuff that you expect to see in your feed from a brand. And then next to that was the giving comms. So then talking about the partners. What we've tried to do this year um, with varying levels of success is actually bring it together. So talking about what the issue area is, with the change maker and and the the non so we had three stories in spring. We've got three stories in fall. Where we're actually trying to bring it all together. Mm. Now I'm still kind of digesting if this works because <laughs> it's a lot to get across. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm very excited about. I mean, I loved our spring stories. I'm super excited about our fall stories. We step in kind of a little bit more interesting topics in a way, um, which might be a little bit unexpected. For Toms, but it's backed up on all the other stuff mm-hmm. that I've told you about how we've gotten to that point. Um, but I think this year we've really tried to bring it together more because we also we want that legitimacy within the impact space to to resonate with the consumer. But we will definitely what we try and well hold ourselves to account is always learning. Mm-hmm. Um, that always when we do something, even if we it hit the brief. Was it ultimately where we wanted to land, or what can we learn from that into in order to improve ourselves? Hmm. So,
0: and that's I mean that's ultimately all you can do, isn't it? You, you, you learn from what you've done, and if something's a failure or something's a yeah. success, or the like, most important thing is try, try trying again. It. Yeah. yeah, talking about some of your change makers specifically, mm-hmm. how did you go about? because you've got have got three announced and then three more to to come out. So we actually, had
2: three that landed in spring summer yeah. so but like between March and April this year mm-hmm. and now we're actually just launching our first fall winter story um with a group of four kind of Parisian it girls um the Gucci gang the Gucci gang yeah but anyway like how we we have three that are coming up mm-hmm. um between launching in August September and October yeah um, and the way we find them is obviously we identify the issue area as I mentioned before mm. and then I have just a really badass team who <laughs> love being let loose on some desktop research to find <laughs> cool individuals um, and really like everyone's really passionate about yeah. the work that they do um, and that's that's actually how we find these people and we generally really try nurture very personable, Human relationships with any kind of influencer that we we come across, um we definitely don't um it's kind of just an extension of the Tom's family mm. for us mm. um and then that's how some people you know we work with we've been connected with for a while and some are brand new relationships I, th- so. I
0: think that's with we sort of known firsthand that's the key thing when it comes to like influencer marketing or influencer relationships mm. It is that authenticity and nurturing that relationship that I think now. People can see through things, something that isn't authentic online, but we've sort of, I think we've now got to the point where that authenticity is number one, mm-hmm. really. The brand and um, the people they're working with, it has to make sense. It yeah. has to come from a, a true place of, we actually want this to work. Or, yeah. So I think that's what's so great about the change campaign is that you can really tell that everyone is fully in it.
2: Yeah, and the conversations we have are amazing. I was on two of the three shoots, mm. um, and I think in other company, I mean, that's you can see how we we work. Because not to sound kind of arrogant, but other people within. At, my position in other brands would never be going on a you know, on a shoot not a chance <laughs> yeah. but i my best days are when i get to sit and talk to the change makers and the nonprofits because you just i learn so much and it just makes us all better at mm. what we do but i think we like to really focus on the fact that we're a human brand um, and that actually needs to come through in everything we do. Really, everything—how we treat each other in the office and how we treat anyone outside of the office. So,
1: well, if those are your favorite days, it's making me even more excited that we're going to get the chance to speak to some of them over the course of our our series. Mm. Yeah, no, they're super, super inspiring. Um, and just
2: really, it's just interesting how you like find your tribe. Yeah, mm. I, my. Um, one of my team when her and I usually would work together um, to have the first conversations and we know we literally know the people when they walk through the door it's really mm. weird it's become such a gut response thing I mean obviously we follow up with conversations but it's just we know the people now it's really cool time-saving
1: as well if you just know straight away then that's 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 like magic it's alchemy. (laughs) super cool yeah I mean I'm very I like being efficient so maybe maybe that's also why I get jazzed about it
0: (laughs) so one thing that I'm interested to know that what you think about this if if I'm not a social entrepreneur Mm -hmm. how how can I make a difference how do you think we can? Because, like we said before, we're not all social entrepreneurs. We can't mm-hmm. all be social entrepreneurs. So, what's the best way to actually make an impact without having to come up with the genius idea?
2: As a as a business or as just as a person?
0: As a person.
2: I mean, I think if I think about it from from my point of view, it, it is around the things that usually, if you really want to make impact, it's better to do it about something that you really care about. So I think there's a really big point on kind of, you know, reductionist behavior. There are other big themes on how we can kind of all contribute. But I think if you just get motivated by what does mean a lot to you. And then, and again, you brought up kind of the responsibility of the consumer. that. Get off your ass and do a little bit of research mm. um, on who is doing good work, and you don't you don't have to go further than your phone. Yeah. It's pretty easy <laughs> to find local organisations, and whether you want to do actual physical volunteering or you you just want to contribute, um, there I think there's so many ways, and that's also probably why it can be a bit paralysing at times. Because, mm. but I think if you put it through a filter, maybe choose one thing first. <laughs> yeah, that you really <laughs> don't pick everything at once, because I think that's what people think. Um, there was a change maker we worked with in spring and what he spoke about is people always come at it from the the big issue, the gargantuan problem. Yeah. Mm. And think, well, oh, I'm not gonna impact that.
0: Yeah, like climate change. The Great. whole the whole of the climate.
2: The whole you <laughs> know, the well earth. the earth's melting. <laughs> yeah. If I recycle really, what what difference is that yeah. gonna make? Yeah. Or or if I if I stop eating meat or all these sort of things. But Just finding what you're passionate about. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. had a quote of, to simplify, I mean, to edit it down, look at the step, not the staircase. Mm. So a first step, choose one thing that you're really passionate about. Mm. And I think because if it's at your core, then you automatically be more committed to it rather than putting it through someone
1: else's filter. It comes back to authenticity again, doesn't it?
2: Yes, And look at what you buy. Yeah. I mean, it's there's mm. so many options out there now. Mm. It was way more difficult like ten years ago. Yeah. Right now, you literally have no excuse, mm. yeah, to We're, not kind of be more conscious.
0: We, as consumers, we uh, give the demand to to influence what businesses do, and so you know. We have to make an impact with our feet. We have to go to the brands that are actually going to make a difference. And uh, unless we're going to dismantle capitalism entirely and get rid of all businesses and brands, we're we're (laughs) going to have to, (laughs) (laughs) you if we can get started now, we might, might (laughs) but we we have to, we have to live by the system that we're we're in. And 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 that means that we are going to consume things. We are going to, we need clothes, you know, we need to, we need shoes on our feet. We need those things. And so we just have to be conscious with the choices that we're making.
2: Yeah, and the other thing also, especially for, I suppose, anyone in employment, also don't underestimate your voice as an employee. Mm -hmm. Um, We've made some pretty big shifts in kind of how we framed up the evolution of our giving model around the impact areas. Some bigger themes have been directly influenced by um, employee voices. So Mm -hmm. you can also put more pressure on the companies you work for and, and ask more granular questions um, or give suggestions or, or think about what you do during your work day. Like when we produce events now – my my team have become maniacal on the elements that we use, some more than others. And I know she's listening. Um, <laughs> that, um, but if the elements should all be sustainable. Hmm. Um, so you can also think of that point because sometimes that's also another way. It's not just in your personal life. Mm. It's in your professional life. You know, mm. ride a bicycle. You know, like there's there's yeah. lots of like little simple. Yeah. Maybe that's. That's another
1: podcast, kind of,
2: yeah.
1: the, 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 the how to make a difference toolkit yeah. 101. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and social change is, is so often bottom up. So just because you might work for a big corporation or a big company, it doesn't mean you can't have an impact. So mm. just sort of never underestimating that, I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree.
0: And so I, I, I guess we, we come on to our final question which mm-hmm. is the ultimate question of the, of the podcast, and maybe we can <laughs> Son, it's sinister. tie it all together <laughs> with this one question and solve the world, maybe. Mm. How can we all save the world?
2: I mean, it's a big one. I mean, my immediate response was by giving a shit. Um, that's good. You can leave it at that. Yeah.
0: Don't. See you later, everyone. Thank Kay. you very much. <laughs> I, read
2: I could have said something else, but then you'd have to beep me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Giving a shit. I like that. I think that's good. And it doesn't matter how you action
2: that. (laughs) No, but I mean, if I have to be true to myself, I mean, normally I'm kind of short and sharp and um, to the point. Mm. So I think, you know, if that's how I'm going to answer it, then I I guess, but it is, it's just, it just care I mean care about the people around you care about what you put in your body care about what you put in like on your body um or I mean and I'm definitely working in progress I'm not all the way there I'm for sure not um
1: but Lisa's also wearing a t-shirt saying be brave and kind <laughs> I'm thinking that's pretty good it's a pretty good place to start right yeah I think it's yeah if we hold ourselves individually to
2: higher accounts the world would be a better place
1: yeah Beautiful words. What a note to
2: end it
0: on. Thank you so much, Lisa. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Can We Just Ask podcast. That was a really great conversation with Lisa. And if you did enjoy that, you can go and listen to episode three, which is a panel discussion with Lisa and three other panelists, all about can social entrepreneurship really change the world? And we've also got another episode live, which is with James McVeigh from the Vamps. We talk about the question: How do we define man? It's all about masculinity, male mental health, and male body image. Uh, So if you want to go and listen to that, it is live now. So please do. And also, if you've got any questions. Please just get in touch with us. We're on social media at Cambridge Ask, or you can sign up to our newsletter, and we will send out regular newsletters so you can keep up to date with what's going on. Otherwise, thank you for listening.